Carolyn just got in here, amen. Thank God. Sister Jackie's here. Because God just needs a faithful few, amen. amen. That's all we need. You don't need a whole bunch of people. We just need a faithful few. And again, I just thank God because it don't make a difference to me. I'm I'm going to preach the same whether I got one, zero, or 1,000, amen. Because the word of God has to go out to the people. So let's begin with scripture and prayer from Sister Stacy. She'll be reading out of Proverbs. Go ahead. Proverbs 20. <clears throat> Wine is a mocker, strong drink of brawler, and whoever is led astray by it is not wise. The terror of a king is like the growling of a lion. Whoever provokes him to anger <clears throat> forfeits his life. It is an honor for a man to keep aloof from strife, but every fool will be quarreling. The slugger, goes, the slugger does not plow in the autumn. He will seek at harvest and have nothing. The purpose in a man's heart is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. Many a man proclaims his own steadfast love, but a faithful man who can find. The righteous who walk in his integrity, blessed are the children after him. A king who sits on the throne of judgment winnows all evil with his eyes. Who can say, I have made my heart pure and I am clean from sin? Unequal weights and unequal measures are both alike an abomination to the Lord. I read to you some, I'm sorry, Proverbs 20, verses 1 through 10. May God add a blessing to the readers, hearers, and hearers of his holy word. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we come before you today just to say thank you, Lord. Thank you for another day, God. Thank you for waking us up this morning with our minds stayed on you, Lord. Thank you for waking us up in perfect health, God. Thank you for healthy bodies and healthy minds, God. But we thank you for your faithfulness, God. We thank you for your tender mercies, your, your steadfast love, God. Lord, we just want to say thank you for this day, God. Thank you for all days that you allow us to just live and to worship your name, God. Lord, we ask that you will forgive us for our sins, Lord. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness, Lord. Help us to walk upright before you, Lord. Create in us a clean heart and renew a right spirit within us, Lord. <coughs> Lord, you are righteous and holy, Lord. So help us to be righteous and holy also, Lord. Lord, we just thank you for your word that's going forth today, Lord. Your word that we hide in our hearts so that we will not sin against you, Lord. Your word that is sweeter than honey, Lord, and more precious than gold, Lord. We thank you for your word, Lord. Lord, we ask that you teach us your truth, Lord. Teach us your word, Lord, and help us to receive it, Lord. Lord, we thank you for walking through Christian Fellowship Church, Lord. Help us, Lord, to continue to grow in your grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, Lord. We thank you today, Lord. We thank you for your healing power, Lord. There are many sick among us, Lord, so we ask that you would heal us today, God, in the name of Jesus, God. Lord, we thank you for all things. Thank you for provision, Lord. Thank you for safety, God. Lord, just thank you for being God in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. And I just want to uh, thank God today again and thank those who are listening around the world to the Walking Truth Christian Fellowship word of today. Uh, God has been so good to all of us. Yes, and no matter what is going on in this world, God is good. Yes. And remember last week I was talking about the red bottom shoes and what we give to God as far as worshiping. And what you should conclude from that is that all throughout mankind, God had a requirement for the Jews and, and, and they could never fulfill it. They never did do it with the right heart. They could perform things. They could do things. It got to the point where even after the instructions were given, 
Then you had two sons come along, two priests of Aaron come along and offer God up what they call a strange fire. And we'll get into that later. But, but it's interesting to me that as I keep reading the Bible in the Old Testament, they kept falling short. Just like the New Testament says, <clears throat> we all fall short. And they fell short. What we were supposed to learn from them is that without God, without trusting God, without believing in God, without living by faith that was under the Abrahamic covenant, the Mosaic covenant didn't work for them. The Mosaic covenant showed that they were selfish. The Mosaic covenant showed that they were idolaters. The Mosaic covenant showed they chased everything but God. But doesn't, isn't that what the body of Christ does sometimes? You know, we run parallel. We're in a different dispensation of time without the law. But even with the fact of grace of not living under the law, even under the law of liberty, we chase things that God has told us not to. We chase everything but him. We think God's whole purpose is to make us healthy, wealthy, and wise. And some of us come to God and we say, God has blessed us because we have good health. And yes, God has blessed you because you have good health. Don't get me wrong. Who doesn't want good health? But good health don't mean that you that you know God. Good health don't necessarily mean that you know God. Some of you are wealthy. And it's okay to be wealthy. There's nothing wrong with a little chingling in your pocket, a little 401k. There's nothing wrong with some real estate holders and some stockholders. But having those things don't necessarily mean that you know God. And of course, being wise. Wise as a serpent, gentle as a dove. You the wisest, hippest, can't nobody tell you nothing because you know everything type of person. You know how to do everything and you've been everywhere but ain't been nowhere. You can tell us about places you've never been because you are a wise person. And there's nothing wrong, saints, with being wise. There is nothing wrong with being wise, but being wise in the world doesn't necessarily mean that you saved, sanctified, and full of the Holy Ghost. So those things that we hold value to now doesn't necessarily hold value with God. But God wants to give us. Now watch this. We're going to flip this. We don't deserve it, but God wants to give us what we won't give him. You say, what you mean? Worship? No. God wants to give us his best to the worst. When I read this Bible and read how good God is, I, if it was up to me, I wouldn't give us nothing. But throughout history, man has felt entitled by God. Every time it came up in the Old Testament that God was supposed to bless them, it would, they always went back to how God blessed them in Egypt. And when God blessed them in Egypt, he would try to remind them about how he delivered them. How he brought them through. How what he did for them. And that's what God did for them. But because God did it for you, doesn't mean you're entitled to it. God does things out of his grace and his mercy and his love for you. That's why God kept saying, steadfast love, steadfast love. It's not according to what you do. It's according to who his character and who he is. But God's love also comes with judgment. And the Israelites opted out to love God like Abraham did by faith and had opted into a law. Many laws, many different laws, laws that only pointed out their ability, inability to keep the law. But they said they would. They said they would. And God made a, if you 
then I will promise with them. The Abrahamic covenant is an everlasting covenant. He said you will have children as, as, as much as the sands of the sea. His covenant was a covenant of faith because he came to know God by faith. So grace and mercy was operating back in the Abrahamic covenant. Then we have the Mosaic covenant that depended upon their ability to do. But when your heart ain't right, it don't make a difference how much you do. When your heart's not right, you will never offer God what he wants. You will always be willing to take a back road or take a round away and give him what you think he wants. And you say, because you gave it, he should accept it. But really, the reverse is like this. I told you about my grandmother giving me a plug. And I told you that I looked at that as her not giving me what I wanted. But you know what? What she gave me was her love. She cared enough about me, no matter how bad I was, she's going to get her grandson what he wanted, per se. And that's the relationship God has with us. No matter what we do, God wants to still love us. Amen. No matter how bad and how idolatrous and blasphemous we become, God still wants to give us his best. And he did. He gave us his son. Our covenant with God is not a covenant us to God, but God to us. We break our word, but he never breaks his. He's not a man that he should lie. He's only motivated by his love for us, his highest creation. Even the angels peer into his love for us. Why do you love such a wretched creature? And then he sent his son to walk with us and experience the pressures on us and never sin. And then be the perfect sacrifice for us so that the Holy Spirit that he sends back and live in you. The power that said let there be light is inside of you. And all you have to do is submit to it and learn from it. And grow with it and be conformed to his image. Knowing that all those who come to Christ no matter where they're at in this walk are going to be conformed. Because he promised to finish the work that he started. That's how good God is. He don't give up on you. Now, you can know the truth. And become apathetic. And that's what happened to the Jews in the Old Testament. And judges were studying that. The, the, the rate of apostasy in judges to the point. How, how, it's like a couple generations after all the successes of Joshua. Because you have children and, and, and parents who don't want to talk about the bad. And only talk about the good. They end up missing out on telling their children on the suffering that they went through to get where they're going. You don't need to eliminate the suffering of your story to get where you at. Some of us become so apathetic to where we've come from and we are ashamed of where we come from. We forget that's part of the glory story. That's part of your journey. How rough it was for you. How, how bad you were. You don't glorify it. You just start glorifying God and how good he is. Mm -hmm. And that gives your kids hope that if even if they're worse than you, God still loves them to be better than you. But you got to tell the story. You got to tell all the story. You can't talk. You can't start at the White House. You got to start in the outhouse. <laughs> and I don't mean the, the, the I mean at the vernacular in the sense of you got to start when you was outside the grace of God, when you was outside yeah. the camp. Yeah. Yeah. So we want to give God what he wants. And, 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 and I hope that you understand. I want you to get this, saints, if you don't get nothing else. I'm not worried about your cars. I ain't worried about your houses. I'm not worried about none of that. 
If you're not saved, that asteroid can come down and get us right now. What difference does it make? You're following the wrong, you're looking at the wrong stuff. You're wasting your time with stuff that don't mean nothing. And you give it, you're talking to God about stuff that he said. I ain't tell you to talk about that. I don't want no red ribbon tied around no, no post to show that, pretend like I'm going to pass over because I see a red ribbon. I need the blood. And I don't need the blood of bulls and goats. I need the blood of Jesus. But he said, you don't have to do that because if you got the Holy Spirit in you, you already applied the blood of Jesus. Amen. You ain't got to create nothing. You just got to have enough faith. You got to learn to get down your knees. You, the powerful thing that you have is prayer. You don't need to do nothing physical other than get on your knees or stand up and bow down to God to give God some red bottom shoes. I looked up the most expensive suit. It's called a K50. It's made by a designer that used to be in the famous Seville Row. $60,000 men's suit. Supposed to be the most expensive suit. And I thought about that. I say, red bottom shoes, most of suit. You know what God wants to do? He wants to clothe you with a robe of righteousness. Amen. That's that suit. Amen. That's that suit. He wants, to, he wants to clothe you with a robe of righteousness. But first we must compare and contrast and do all that other stuff that we do. So let's open up your Bibles. So what we want to do is go back in time and get come forward. It's going to take a couple of uh, week, uh, Sundays, but we want to go back. Go back in time. Let's go get your Bible. Let's go get your friends. Tell us. It's going to be a good message for you. We still dealing with giving God what he wants. And then let me go and give you the punchline. God wants you. Amen. That's what he wants. Amen. He wants you, and then he wants to give you a robe of righteousness. Not because of what you did, because of what his son did for you. God looks at you through the lenses of his son. And all that the Father has given him, he shall no wise cast out. So for those who you get preached to that you can lose what, what you never gave yourself, don't believe that. God said to the uttermost, that's even past all your sins. See, the thing about it is you're, you're confusing salvation with sanctification. Sanctification is the journey from salvation to death. Sanctification is the journey from the point of salvation to the point absent from the body present with the Lord. Some of you waste time praying for dead folk. Dead folk don't know nothing. And they made their decision. You need to work on the people that's here. <laughs> their bed has been made. Either they absent from the body present with the Lord or they're going to lift their eyes up in hell. That's, that's the only two choices you have. And that's the urgency in which we preach and teach. There's an urgency that we have now because what we're doing is there's a light thing to the day of judgment, but it's not the day of judgment because people still are trading. People still are making money. People still are doing things. People still going and traveling. This pandemic is not judgment. But, as for, but if this is, you think this is judgment, you don't want to know what judgment is going to be like. So you need to get saved. You don't need to experience it. If you're worried about this being judgment, then you need to get saved because this is far from being judgment. Amen. Exodus 19 and 5, it says, this is God's deal. Let's make a deal with the Israelites after he brought them out. He said, now, therefore, if you will, what? 
if you will what? Indeed, obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all the peoples. For the earth is mine, and you shall be the kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that God told Moses to speak before the people of Israel. Now what you want to notice is that the ifs. If you shall keep my commandment, you will be my treasured possession. God say, I will take possession of you if you keep my commandments. What he said is, I'll take possession of you if you do what I've asked you to do. And that's a promise of God. But that's the deal. It's relying on the performance of man. He said, okay, you will be my treasured possession. You will be my apple of my eye. You will be the one I will focus on if you keep my commandments. Then he said also, not only if you keep my commandments will you be my possession. I own you. Uh, uh, I, I'm responsible for you. I'm accountable for you. You will also be a nation of priests. He didn't say ironic priests. He said a nation of priests. God said, I will have a relationship with you that you all, the nation, can come to me. Because the priests offer up sacrifice to God, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're a nation of priests, that means everybody in the nation, if the nation would keep the word of God, they could come to God. But we know what happened, don't we? And God didn't just do this out of the clear blue sky. God did this after he had delivered them out of Egypt. So they had a reference point to say how good God is and that whatever he promises will come to pass. See, God didn't just throw this in there and say, okay, I'm going to tell them some things. He said, if you would just think a little bit about how good I was to you, that when you cried out, I sent you a deliverer. And the deliverer delivered you out of the bondage of Egypt. Out of the bondage of idolatry, out of the bondage of sin. There's no depth of sin that's in your life that God will not deliver you out of. So this mirrors what Jesus has done for us. But he said, you'll be my church of possession. You will be a holy nation of priests. God wants to bless you. God wants to bless you. So you would think, Sister Nancy, that with God saying this is all we have to do is follow what he is. All we have to do is follow what he said. But the Israelites are just like everybody else. This is back in Exodus. We go a couple of hundred years later. Matter of fact, 776 years later. We get to Judges. The nation of Israel has become apathetic and apostate. They have forgotten about what God has done for them or they really haven't forgotten because when they get in trouble, they call on what God has done for them because they figure they're entitled because God said, you would be my church. See, Moses told them that so you can imagine if God says, I'm going to be his treasured possession, I forget about the part of keeping his commandments. Ain't a lot of children do. You told me you was going to get me this or that. You told me you was going to buy me something. You told me that you was going but you forgot that if you get good grades, I get it for you. You forgot that I told you if you clean, clean up your room, I get these things for you. 
They remember what they get, but they forget about what they have to do. So 776 years later, after Moses, we come to a position in Judges that they begin to forget about God. They don't appreciate what he's done. They begin to look around at other nations. They want a ruler. They want a king like other nations. They want a God that they can touch, feel, and smell. They want a God that they can bow down to. And it started back in Moses' time when Moses just left for a little while. They want to build a calf. Well, where did they get the idea from the calf? Because they've been in Egypt so long that Egyptians had calf worship. So what they did is want to go back to what enslaved them, the idolatry that enslaved them, like we do, and go back to worshiping something they can touch, something that's shiny. So we got in Judges, chapter 21 and 25, it says, now check this out. In those days like today, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. So let me get this straight. God said, if you would obey me, you'll be my treasure possession, which means there's blessings in that. God said that you will be a royal priesthood. That means a relationship that you can come boldly before the throne of grace. You opted out for that to go your own way. Don't we see the parallels of today? Everyone, because there was no king, I just want to take you back to, 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 to a point where in the judges, we're going to get to a point where you're going to have Gideon save the people. And the, just like anything else, man wants to make another man their ruler. Because if I make another man my ruler, then I can maybe be the ruler one day myself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. See, man don't do it because he wants to really bow down to man. If I make you my ruler, then I may, be, I may make you my ruler temporarily having ideas to overthrow you. If the people accept you, I know they're going to love me. So after Gideon did what he did, which we'll get to but in class, but the point that I want to get to is they told Gideon, we want to make you our king. And Gideon said, no, the Lord will be your king. And then Gideon did what most people do. Instead of leaving on that high note, he goes and make an idol. And since they wanted to make Gideon the king and he refused, but Gideon made an idol, guess what they began to do? Worship the idol that Gideon made. We trade in the best to practice the worst. God told Israel, if you would just do this, you will always be my faith in my favor. But by now, 776 years later, after Moses, in Judges, we have them falling away. We have them falling away. Read Luke 13, 34. I'll read it. It says, O Israel, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that killed the prophets and stoned those who are sent to it. How I would have gathered you, your children, together as a hen gathers her brood. Jesus said that. Jesus tells Jerusalem all after that. He says, a thousand years later, 
that he would have gathered them like a mother hen would gather her brood, but they wouldn't come. And because they wouldn't come, the next verse talks about the desolation that, that inhabits the city of Jerusalem to this day. Remember this, saints. When I read that passages in Moses, that's before they were delivered to the land of what? Milk and honey. When the spies went out to spy out the land, the land had luscious and, and, and plenty of grapes and, and trees and, and forest and all of that. But because they disobeyed God, if you read the, the verse 35, it tells them that the land is in desolation. To this day, Israel is neutered. It means that there's nothing really in Israel. They planted trees, they planted vineyards, but it's still a desolate place for the most part. Now, how can it be a desolate place and a land of milk and honey? Because they did not obey God. The land itself suffered because the people of God didn't obey God. And as time went on, because of the apathy and apostasy, God decided to do what he said he was going to do. Because if God said, I'm going to bless you if you do this, then there's also the opposite side of that is, if you don't, there's a consequence to your behavior. And see, the church, we forget. We act like because we're under this grace and mercy. Don't you, don't you realize this? That the state of Israel has always been under grace and mercy of God. Because if that's the case, they've done enough to get wiped out. But God always out of his mercy and his goodness and his promise to Abraham. See, God goes back to his promise to Abraham to deal with Israel, not the covenant of Moses. He promised Abraham that he would always have a nation. He promised Abraham that he would always have a, a king, a seat. The Davidic covenant, there will always be one who sits on the throne. See, he deals with Abraham and David. Moses' covenant is gone. And it's gone for good reason because we couldn't keep it. And I mean the children of God I, and the nation of Israel couldn't keep it so you know the Gentile nations couldn't keep it. 35 says, Behold, your house is, is forsaken and I tell you, you will not see me until you say, now check this out, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So God is telling the children of Israel, until you turn and say, blessed is he. Who is he talking about? Jesus. Mm -hmm. Until you recognize the Messiah that was sent to you and say that he is blessed, then you will always be in this state. Now, church, he's talking to the Jews, but he's also, this is good for us. Why don't we bless the Lord? If we have the covenant that's based on better promises, the better promises come with a, with a responsibility that we know better because we have the history of them messing up. We should mess up, but you know what? They people just like we people. The church is no different in its psychological makeup than the children of Israel. God has made an everlasting covenant with us, but in that freedom of that covenant, which is not bound, he said, my, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. In that light burden, we make it heavy because we don't want to love God like he wants to be loved. We don't want to give God the love that he requires. 
He sacrificed his son for us and all he asked you to do is believe in it through love and faith. But we avoid that. So 776 years later, right before the 400 years, on the eve of the Babylonian terror that was promised by God, the king Nebuchadnezzar would be his servant to punish his people because his people had walked away from him. This is after Joshua. This is after Judges. This is after David. This is when the king, the kingdom gets split because of Solomon. Think of all the apostate that's going on. This is after they had decided to pick their own king and God said, go ahead and pick it. Have what you want. See, good parents sometimes let you fall on your face. See, God didn't want them to get a king because God said, I will give you a king. But see, you can't wait. See, they didn't have the fruit of the spirit like we supposed to have. <laughs> supposed to have. Now, they wanted a king like they said. They wanted a king like everybody else. They didn't want what God gave them. They didn't want the red bottom shoes. They didn't want the robe of righteousness. They wanted to be like the nations they thought were prosperous. But it was the nations they were supposed to conquer in the land of milk and honey that was given to them. That's the part I don't understand about us. God blesses us, but the more he blesses us, the more we take advantage of it in a way that we don't appreciate his blessing. And not when you don't appreciate, it leads to apathy. When it leads to apathy, it leads to idolatry, and idolatry leads to apostasy. Give me someone who's closer to the struggle, and I'll give you someone that appreciates God. The further away you away from the struggle, the less you appreciate God. Give me one of those ones who were beaten for worshiping Jesus, and I'll give you someone that says, I'll die for him. But the little bit you go through, you think you're being persecuted. You cry out to God as if you, you like somebody took everything that you got. And that they're threatening your life. And God said, I'd never leave you nor forsake you, but you didn't give me pure worship. You didn't worship me with your whole heart. Some of us have a hard time even worshiping God on Sunday. You can't even give it. We, we used to give God an hour and a half. We give God an hour. Some of you can't even give God that. But you want God to bless you like you worship every day. See, how do we think we get spoiled and entitled? We want to give a God a little and get a lot. We want to give God, we want to give God the mustard seed and receive a whole plantation. But God said, if you had a faith of a mustard seed, and some of us don't understand, we don't even exercise that faith in which we should have. You want to do something physical when God has delivered you physical. So let's see how bad this was back in the day of Israel. And let's compare. Go to Zephaniah. Zephaniah. Very rarely do we hear any servants out of Zephaniah. Zephaniah, chapter 1, verse 4. When you get it, say amen. Amen. Read. I will stretch out, I will stretch out my hand against Judah and against all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and I will cut off from this place the remnant of Baal and the name of the idolatrous priests along with the priests. Now, this is the time doing Josiah. This is, this is doing 
also the time of Jeremiah. They're crying out, trying to warn the nation. Now think about this, this is long after the deal that was in Exodus. This is 700 years after the deal with Exodus. So they've fallen. Judges is the beginning of the fall. This is almost the completion of the fall to the point that God has told them that they're going to be dealt with because they didn't fulfill their promise. Because guess what I didn't tell you? When God, when Moses said that to them of what they should do, guess what they said? Amen. Amen. We will do it. All that, all that you ask us to do, Moses, we will do. See, the problem is they're trying to do it on their own strength. One of the things that was required by Moses, required by God, was that every seven years that the commandments of God be read before the people. By this time, all that has stopped. See, when you get in a apostate church, certain things will stop. And what will stop is the word of God. So you have book study. You have cake bake study. You have these ministries. But you won't have the word of God as much. You have everything to entertain people, but you won't have the word of God as much. You know, some churches now don't even have Bible study. Because they're concerned about attracting the people. And I need to attract the people with the next gimmick. I want to see my pastor on, on television now with YouTube and all of that. That's good and fine, but it ain't what you see, it's what we say. That's why I'm doing this broadcast audibly. It ain't what you don't need to see me. You need to hear what the Lord is saying. Too many times we looking, but we need to be listening. Read on. So he's going to he's going to deal with the priests that run after Baal. Okay. And they and they're idolaters. Not only their priests, but also the priests of God. So you see what I'm saying? He's not just talking about their priests, he's talking about the ones. That are sold out to, 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 the, uh, to the falsehood. Go ahead. Verse 5. Those who bow down on the roofs to the hosts of the heavens. Those who bow down and swear to the Lord. And yet swear by Milcom. Stop. Did you catch that? Those who bow down and swear to the Lord. On one end. And then yet. They swear to Milcom. Milcom is another word for Moloch. Now, let, let me give you a visual picture of this. One minute, you're at the church. And you're praising God, Sister Carolyn. You're giving God all the glory, Sister Jack. You're you, you giving them. You're raising your hand. You're praising God. And then, and, and then the next move you make, you over here having a good time doing all heathen type of stuff. Drugging, drinking, partying, lasciviousness, sexual immorality. You don't have no problem no bouncing back and forth. But their days was worse. Let me tell you what Moloch is. Moloch is a pagan god that they used to give children sacrifice to. This is in the Bible where they talk about Israel got to the point where their apostate was so strong that they were looking for favor in the pagan god by offering up their children. Now, America, don't we do the same thing? One minute we in church, and next minute we would sit back and say, go ahead and kill the baby in the womb. 
Go ahead, kill the baby. It's inconvenient for me to have a child. Go ahead, kill the children in the room. Go ahead, let me have as much sex as I want. Let me be fluid. And while I'm being fluid and immoral, what I'm going to do is come over here and then I'm going to preach, teach, and pray in the house of God. See, this is going on back then. This ain't nothing, this is nothing new, saints. This duplicity in the body is the same duplicity that was in Israel. You know why I know there's duplicity in the body? Because because at the end of Revelation, when he talked about the seven churches, he didn't say it was churches that weren't for his church. He said seven churches. And he gave a, a scathing review of most of them because most of them began to fall into idolatry. When there's no word, there is nothing but idolatry left. So they began to search that out. Read verse 6. Those who have turned back from following the Lord, who do not seek the Lord or inquire of him. So now, think about this. Not only are you duplicitous, not only are you bouncing back and forth, but see, what that causes is when you do that, you gravitate towards the sin versus gravitating towards what's holy. So what you stop doing, you stop praying. You stop talking to the Lord. What did they stop doing? They stop seeking the Lord. 700 some years after the promise of, yes, I will, by now they are worshiping other gods and seeking out the other God for the answer than the Lord. Your communication with God becomes zero. And if you think just because you're in the church that you don't exhibit these behaviors, yes, we do. And that's what this, this, this Bible is for, is to warn the church and say, don't be like that. Don't be duplicitous. Don't be hypocritical. It's not about being perfect, but there's no way that you should be worshiping at the altar of God one day and then the altar of Satan the next. You can't have it both ways. And the way God says, if you decide to go this way, at the altar of Satan, he's going to say, I never knew you. That's your choice. Verse 7. Be silent before the Lord God, for the day of the Lord is near. The Lord has prepared a sacrifice and consecrated his guests. Stop. So the Lord is telling them, look, just be quiet. Because what I'm about to do, you have brought on yourself. Lord has prepared a sacrifice. Now let's do it in context. For them, it was going to be the Babylonians coming to chastised them. It was the rod of correction that the Babylonians was going to do. It was the imprisonment, the castration, and the brutalness of the Babylonians that were going to come down on them. God will always use a more brutal nation on the nation that he wants to chastise. He can't use somebody that's equal to you. He has to use somebody that's, 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 that's worse than you. So many prophets, when he told the one prophet that that you don't understand what I'm about to do. You keep saying, it looks like I'm not doing nothing. But he told them, you wouldn't even be able to accept what I'm about to do. Because what I'm about to do is going to be so out of your mind. See, you want to be delivered without being chastised. And so do we, the church. We want the blessing without going through the punishment. We want the blessing without the love or the chastisement, which is love itself. When God decides to chastise those he loves, that's his body in Christ, 
then what happens is we get the, the, the chastisement, the pain of it, the correction of it, but we also get the instruction from it. And then we also get the, 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 the fact that God loves us enough that he doesn't destroy us because what we've done is egregious enough to the blood of Jesus and the sacrifice that we should be destroyed. But he gives us his mercy and his grace. He's going to give them a chance to watch and see. Verse 8. And on the day of the Lord's sacrifice, I will punish the officials and the king's sons and all who array themselves in foreign attire. Stop. So now he says on the day of the Lord, on the day of their punishment, okay, he's going to punish you, the king's sons, the king, and the officials. He's going he's to punish the leaders first. So if you're not teaching Bible, be ready for this punishment first. Even the New Testament says that you're going to be held to a higher standard when you don't teach the word of God. When you do all this extra stuff, blessings with your name on it and all that ridiculous stuff that you got people doing, running around the church seven times, slapping high five, all that ridiculous stuff you got them doing. But you ain't telling about the day of the Lord, are you? See, this is how we get people to Christ. You got to tell them about the day of the Lord. So he's telling the prophet, tell them about the day of the Lord is coming. And he said he's going to punish the ones who dress in what? Foreign attire. Now think about this. You dress in your church clothes on Sunday. Then you dress like the world on Monday. And I ain't talking about the world conservative. I'm talking about the world loosely. You call yourself a woman of God and a man of God. And yet still if I looked at you on Monday, I can see your body parts. Because that's the way you dress. See, see, you can't do both. And he said he's going to punish those who dress in foreign attire. What it meant by this, Gil said, Gil said, they were wearing the robes of God one day, and the next day the robes of Moloch. And they say, and also they said that the men were dressing like women, and the women were dressing like men. That's all those 1,300 years ago. They doing the same thing then that, they, that we do now. You can't tell a man from a woman these days. You walk up behind somebody and you a man and you think you're looking at a woman, you turn around and say, hello. <laughs> or you walk up behind a, 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 a female and she said, and she turn, you turn around a man and you walk, walk up, you think it's a, it's a man, it'd be a female. Nothing is changing in the, in, in the psychology of man. You see it right here in foreign attire. Foreign attire is men wear what they pose to wear, women wear what they pose to wear. But what we've done is made the culture our hero, and the culture has not crossed over into lasciviousness, and we say it's okay when that happens. There's nothing wrong with it. It's okay. Well, that's worshiping Moloch. That's going after the devil. That's dressing in strange attire. Go to Zephaniah 1.12. Verse 12. At that time, I will search Jerusalem with lamps, and I will punish the men who are complacent. Stop right there. See, brothers, it's on you. God is saying then, just like now, he's going to search the city of Jerusalem. And punish the men 
Why? Because they're great worshipers? No. Why? Because they pray? No. Why? Because they come to church? No. Why? Because they show up at synagogue? No. Because they become complacent. When you become complacent, you're apathetic. When you're apathetic, you're in the bold role of being apostate. And why do you become complacent? Read on. Those who say in their hearts, the Lord will not do good, nor will he do ill. The Lord will not do good. Now think about this. They become complacent about what they say in their heart, which comes out in their way of life. The Lord ain't going to do nothing. He ain't did nothing yet. He hasn't blessed me. He hasn't cursed me. There is no God. Even though I'm just like a woman of God loves me, it's okay. Don't worry about it. Saints, don't think because you're under grace that you don't need to worry about this. Romans talked about it. Romans 1. Talked about the apostate of, of the world. How the world worships the creation more than the creator. This is what you get. Men become complacent. Let's be honest. Who's in the churches today? Women. God bless the women. The men become complacent. Now, if I told you that God was going to punish you because you was complacent, you'd be saying, Pastor, that ain't right. We live under grace. But God said, chastises the ones he loves. So, men, if you are not doing your godly duty in your home and leading your family to Christ and being the head of your, of your responsibility, then you are being complacent. You can't get in on her shoulders. There are going to be some men who wives are going to get in and they ain't going to get in. Because they're being complacent. You know what to do. But you say God ain't gonna, he God ain't gonna do nothing. God gonna, gonna bless me because I got a good godly wife. He ain't gonna do nothing. He ain't gonna bless me or he ain't gonna curse me. Verse 17, I say, I will bring distress on all of mankind so that they shall walk like the blind. God say, look, this is just not for the Jews, but this is all mankind. When you don't worship God and give God his red bottom shoes and his K-50 suit in your worship, the best that you got, and it ain't compared to nobody else, the best that you got, the loudest shout you got, the loudest praise you got, the best prayer you have in your heart, God say, look, I am going to wipe it all out and I'm going to deal with mankind. They're going to walk like blind. When we get that in the New Testament, blind lead the blind. Where are they going to end up? In the ditch. They have sinned. Against the Lord. That's capital L-O-R-D. Their blood shall be poured out like dust and their flesh like dung. Read 18. Neither their silver nor their gold shall be able to deliver them. See, now now watch what's going on now. Haven't y'all seen the commercials where everybody say, don't get stocked and buy gold and silver? Yeah. God is saying that on the day of judgment, your gold and silver ain't going to be worth nothing. You can't buy your way into God. You can't buy your way into heaven. You can't offer God a few. The gold is his. All the earth is his. You can't pay God off. Read that again. Neither their silver nor their gold shall be able to deliver them on the day of the wrath of the Lord. You, go ahead. In the fire of his jealousy, all the earth shall be consumed for a full and sudden end. He will make of all the inhabitants of the earth. Now put a pen in it right there. We gonna, now it's not, you should be nervous now. You should be concerned. You should be willing. To, but I got to tell you something. 
God delights in his mercy. Amen. God delights in his mercy. Ephesians 2 and 4 says, but God being rich in mercy. That means God has an inner supply of mercy that he wants to give mankind, but mankind has to make a decision that he's going to follow God. Men have to stop being complacent. This is in the New Testament. God saying he ain't ran out of mercy. You, your disobedience haven't emptied out his pocket yet. Isn't that amazing? 700, almost 1,000 years, 2,000 years of disobedience by mankind as a whole, and God says, I still am rich with mercy. And if he's rich with mercy, he wants to give it out. Not based on your performance, but based upon the grace. The grace that was obtained by the death and resurrection of his son. You are blood bought. You are bought with a price. So God said, I got plenty of mercy because my son died. I got plenty of grace I want to give you because my son died. And I want to give it to you if you accept what he did. No more bulls, no more goats, no more red ribbons around the tree. Just believing that he is. And really, that's what all God required in the Old Testament. But that required faith. Now we're back to Abrahamic covenant. The Bible tells us that Abraham was justified because he trusted God. He had faith in what God said. He left his country, his people, his kinsmen, and got a word from God. And God said, walk out. Step out. And he said, where, you, where am I going, God? He said, I'll let you know. He said, Abraham was awarded righteous because he walked it out by faith. So what are we supposed to do to emulate? Because we are children of faith, just like Abraham. We're the offsprings of faith, not of blood, but of faith. What are we supposed to do? Walk this coronavirus out by faith. Yes, take care of yourself. Take your medicine, uh, 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 eat your greens and all that stuff. But realize this. It's your faith that's going to save you. It's not doing nothing physical. It's not going in and doing all that first fruit stuff. Because when you read the New Testament, say Jesus is our first thing. We have the better promises and the better promises all in Jesus. Everything that was in the Old Testament, the Mosaic Covenant was a shadow of the real to come. And you'd rather have the fake than the real. Because you'd rather do something than believe something. Because it's harder for me to believe by faith and trust God than it is for me to go do some things. Read Hebrews 4.16. We get to say amen. Hebrews 4.16. Speak up. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Check this out. Let us draw near. The Bible says if we draw near to him, he'll draw near to us. Amen. Draw near to the what? Throne of grace. That we may what? Receive. See, this God given. Again, here you go. You're drawing near, not in your own ability to be perfect, not in your own righteousness. You're drawing near in Christ Jesus. What Christ Jesus was, that blood that was on the post, he had that blood that covered a multitude of sins, past, present, and future. You don't need a day. You got God eternal. So why are you doing some physical like putting up a ribbon when he said you could just draw near because of Jesus? <laughs> See, but you don't want to draw near because you don't want to repent. 
See, you want the blessings, but you don't want the, the, the light. Let us walk in the light because he is in the light. The light reveals. The light uncovers. But he said you can draw near. The light is not going to destroy you. If you came without the blood into the temple and didn't do what God told him to do, that strange fire, y'all can read that later in Judges. That's offered. If you came into the temple and did not perform the ceremony, God would destroy you right then and there. You would be consumed by his blood. You were consumed by fire. But now God is saying because his son did the perfect sacrifice and I accepted it and it was a sweet smelling savor to me. It was all the sacrifices rolled up into one. You, that sinner, saved by grace, can come boldly before the throne of grace. And that you should be confident. You see where it says, I am confident. See, some of you not confident. I want you to be confident and that you're saved and sanctified and being full of the Holy Ghost and that you are able to come to God to the throne of grace because and receive his mercy. He didn't say give mercy. He said receive his mercy. That mercy that he's rich in. So you're going to receive God's riches. Which is his mercy and his grace. Read on. Okay. Go to Zephaniah and I'm going to show you. Now in Zephaniah, we were reading about the terrible day of the Lord that was going to come upon him right before the Babylonians. I'm going to show you the mercy of God. Go to Zephaniah 2 and, 2 and 1. He says, look this. Gather together. Yes. Gather, O shameless nation. 2 and 2. Before the decree takes place or takes effect, before the day passes away like shaft, before there comes upon you the burning anger of the Lord, before there comes upon you the day of anger of the Lord. Before it comes upon you, daily, gather together. What is he doing? Lord, you're ready to pass judgment. But what is he doing? He's giving them a second chance. He's giving, he said, look, gather together. Gather together. Gather together. And guess what God has to say? Go to verse 3. 2 and 3. Seek the Lord, all you humble of the land. Seek the Lord, all you humble of the land. Gather together. Seek the Lord. Don't we have a verse that's talking about seeking the Lord? Seek ye what? Seek you first. And the what? The kingdom. And his righteousness. He's telling the same thing, isn't he? He says, seek, seek the Lord, all you humble, and of what? Of the land. Okay? Go ahead. Who do his just commands. Who do his just commands. Seek righteously. Seek righteousness. Seek humility. Seek humility. Perhaps you may be hidden on the day of the anger of the Lord. Perhaps. God gave you out. But do you take it? He's saying, look, y'all gather together. If you seek me right, if you give me what I ask for, the purity of your worship, the purity of your heart, the humility, the repentance, then you know what? I might hold back. I might hold back. That's in the New Testament too. He wants you to seek him. He wants you to come boldly before the throne of grace. He wants you to come under that power. And he says, just, you know what? If you just come. We just read in Matthew. He said, if you just would come, I would have gathered you up like a hen gathers up her brood. But you will not come. And that's our problem. 
We are too hard-headed. We're too complacent. We're too apathetic. We're too unappreciative. So we don't want to come because we think God has entitled himself to us, but we need to entitle ourselves to him. Last scripture, John 7, uh, Zephaniah 17, 317. This is what the Lord said. The Lord your God in your midst, a mighty one who will say, he will rejoice over you with gladness. He will, he will what? Quiet what? Quiet, Quiet. you by his love. And what else? He will exalt over you with loud singing. So God wants to bless you. Even back then, he wanted to bless them. So what you've learned is give God his worship. Amen? Amen. Be blessed, be encouraged, and always be at peace. Thank you guys for listening. Amen. Amen. podcast and senior pastor of Walking Truth Christian Fellowship Church. I want to thank you today for tuning in and I want to praise you for praying for this ministry. We are growing by leaps and bounds. If you would like to support this ministry and give a donation, look in the description. We have Cash App, Venmo, and PayPal. But most importantly, we need your prayers. So I just want to thank you again for coming along on this journey and we will see you on the other side.